calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Geraldine Ferraro. So grab your vice presidential nominee. And let's get civical. go hello everybody hello welcome 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 back to let's get civical i'm lizzie stewart and i'm arden walentowski and i'm gonna stop singing right now i know it's it's really it's really rubbing off on me and i have had one cup of coffee and i am not strong enough to resist the singing temptation no i know i know i know (laughs) my coffee my coffee's gonna hit midway through this episode i feel it so it's gonna we're gonna start out low and then we're gonna get into it it's gonna be like (laughs) as i do as i do But guys, welcome back to Let's Get Civical, the comedy podcast where we talk about the government, civics, how it all works in a way that makes us want to (laughs) dance. Do a little jig jig. That's a new log line for us. Um, (laughs) That was really good. uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I just came up with it on the fly. The coffee's hitting. Excellent work. But today we have a a really, I think, exciting episode. It's very of the moment, because how could it not be? We're talking about Geraldine Ferraro. Yes. If you don't know, was the first ever woman to be chosen as a vice president pick candidate, whatever you want to call it. Yes, yes, yes. So obviously with the, the pick of 
Kamala Harris as Biden's vice president pick. Her name has been swirling around again because she was the first. She was the first woman. She was the first woman. And so we just felt like, who is she? Mm-hmm. Who is she? You know, I, I I like can picture her face. I know that's what she's famous for, and then I know fuck all about Geraldine Ferraro. Yeah, she's really interesting. I found so many interesting things about her and her very vast career. So before we jump into it, just remember that you can rate, review, and subscribe yes. to us if you love us or you dot s dot either one. Rate, review, subscribe. We know you love all three of those things. Yes, version you dot s dot. Correct. We're sort of like the three musketeers, Art and I, and the United States, and of the America. United States of America. Yeah, we three sisters. You know, <laughs> sort of like. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, the, the hocus pocus crew, if there ever was one. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's jump into Geraldine. Yeah. And we'll talk about her, her her early life education. Just like at the top, so much, like, I would say 80% of these notes are coming from the actual house.gov website. They did, like, such so a... funny. It's They did such an in-depth detail, like, biography of her life and her career. And I was just, I kept looking for other sources and being like, this one's the best, you know, like. Nice. So there'll be a couple of other ones sprinkled out, but know that primarily we're just, we went to the horse's mouth. And the horse is the house.gov website. Which is such an interesting place to find this. Or maybe not. I I don't know. I know nothing about Geraldine Ferraro. Oh, because you don't know. You don't know. It's totally appropriate. All right. Yeah. 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 Just wait. So early life slash education. So she was the daughter of Italian immigrants Dominic and oh Antonetta Antonetta yeah yeah Antonetta yeah. what a gorgeous name Antonetta Ferraro Geraldine Ann Ferraro was born on August twenty sixth nineteen thirty five in Newborough New York her birthday yep. is around the co- wait are we re- it's not the twenty sixth oh get a grip. <laughs> Uh, no, I was like, maybe get a grip on really- the day. <laughs> get a grip on the day. But it is, we should release this on her birthday. Her birthday is a Wednesday. Oh my God. It's pro- It's next Wednesday. It's next Wednesday. Okay. So this is going to come out on Geraldine's birthday, which we did not plan. We did not I plan. I love when this happens. When it's it seems like just- we've put in so much thought. And in fact, we've just struck gold. <laughs> Okay, so this is coming out on Geraldine's birthday. God bless, Godspeed. Yep. And, uh, okay. So she was the youngest child and only girl in the family. Geraldine was also born shortly after her older brother, Gerald, for whom she was named, died in a car accident. Oh. Can you believe that? I kind of feel, I mean, like, you know, I'm not here to judge how you honor or mourn the death of a child because that's so traumatizing but like also like what a weight to carry like seriously my name is from like my brother you know my older brother whom tragically died well and i think also i would just always live with the sentiment of like i'm the replacement child Mm, sure (laughs) do you know what i mean like yeah that just feels so heavy yeah it feels heavy it feels heavy but nevertheless she geraldine from her brother gerald After her father's passing when she was eight years old, Antonetta Ferraro moved her three children to the Bronx, where she worked to send her daughter to Marymount Catholic School in Terrytown, New York. Oh. So she's all over New York, which we love to see. Yep. 
Geraldine excelled in academics, skipping the sixth through (gasps) eighth grades and graduating early from high school in 1952. I wanted to do that. They wouldn't let me. (laughs) You're like, I'm smarter than all of these people. Get me going. Listen, I did get a perfect score on the eighth grade state math test. So, Mm. oh my God. (laughs) I did not. As we know, numbers are not my thing. (laughs) I'm all personality, honey. She earned a full scholarship to attend Marymount College in New York City, graduating with a BA in English in 1956. Love. While teaching, and then she went on to, to teach. So while teaching in New York public schools, Ferraro attended night school at Fordham University and earned her law degree in 1960. Yes, queen. And then on July 16th, a week after graduating from Fordham, this is going to seem like it's not important, but he's going to come around later. She married a real estate broker, John Zaccaro. Like normally I would be like, it doesn't matter. She got married, whatever. But like he He comes comes in later. Okay, great. (laughs) A fun fact about Ferraro, she kept her maiden name as a tribute to her mother. Oh. Isn't that nice? That's nice. So let's talk about early career before she really dabbles in politics. Okay. This is, again, coming from House.gov and also a little bit from Britannica, which we love. We'd love to see. So these first two bits are from Britannica. In 1974, Ferraro accepted a position as an assistant district attorney in the Investigations Bureau in Queens. Ooh. Not a bureau. (gasps) That's hot. Well, I mean, we're all going to love this next one. She was transferred next the next year to the Special Victims Bureau, where she helped to handle cases of domestic violence and rape. So, oh Law and Order, my. SVU. She is the original Mariska Haggerty. She, yes. Oh, yes. my One Lord. in the same. One <gasps> in the same. That's mm-hmm. so exciting. In New York, which, like, is just... Dun-dun. What a, what a horrible... I mean, not horrible, but, like, it must be really hard. Yeah, to work in that Back, to work in that uh, unit. Yeah, like in this in the in the seventies in like in like this in like the the mob is running the the show like the come show. On. And we were just discovering that like women kind of like had some kind of control over their bodies and like gently discovering rape it. Rape was discovering a thing it. like that was real. Yeah. yeah, that like you could maybe. I mean, I don't know if this is at the point where they they were like. Still thinking, like, you you can't be raped if he's your husband. You know, like, right, that right, sort of right, mentality. Right. Yep. I don't know if we had, I don't know if we've come past that or not. I, I think I think that was the, the 90s. That was the 90s. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Like 20 years later. 20 years later, I feel like they were like, oh, interesting. Mm, no, it does maybe, be. No. Maybe it can be. Yeah. It can be. Fun fact, Ferraro later said her work in the Special Victims Bureau changed her political views from moderate to liberal. This is coming from the house.gov. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of get it. Yep. I would too. Finding the work draining and citing unequal pay at the district attorney's office, she left in 1978 and set her sights on Congress. It's just like... Not Damn. getting paid for what she's worth. And this is coming from house.gov. You know, like, this isn't some, like, opinion piece, right? Like, no, this, this is just, isn't. like, she wasn't getting paid equally. And she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is this is hard and this, you're not paying me. And you're not paying me. This is so, yeah, that reads like, you know, an article from The Atlantic. 
Mm-hmm. No, it's all has to go. It's all has to go. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Good for you, Geraldine. Mm-hmm. Trailblazer. Yep. So now let's move on to Congress. Her oh. getting into the congressional game. Oh, uh, okay. So again, let's see. Most of this is coming from House.gov and again a little bit from Britannica. So after serving as the U.S. representative in a Queens, New York district for nearly 30 years, Democratic Congressman James Delaney announced his retirement in 1978. So this is the seat that she is going to go after. The door is opening for her. The door is open and it's like, Geraldine, do you want to come in? Oh, come on down. Capitalizing on her ethnic background and running on a platform of increased law and order, good lord, I hate that phrase so much, support for the elderly and neighborhood preservation, she secured the party nomination with 53% of the vote in a three-way battle against Thomas Manton, who was a city councilman who had the support of the local Democratic leadership, and Patrick mm, Dagan... Dagnan? 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 Dagnan. Dagnan. Patrick Dagnan. Oh, definitely Irish. Yeah, a popular candidate of Irish descent, you know? Yeah, definitely Irish. (laughs) I love this idea that she's like, you know, it's kind of like what we're seeing now is these like kind of quote unquote underdog candidates running against the the Democratic establishment pick. Like that's a trend that's happening right now. Yeah. And so it's just, it's so interesting to see that back in the 70s or like it was still happening. You know, it's like where it, that's, it goes way back. Yeah, I mean the New so, York Party machine is like uh, intense. It's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. It's a lot. Ferraro. So that was the primary. So Ferraro okay. moved on to a heated campaign in the general election against former Republican State Assemblyman Alfred Delibovi. She quickly went on the offensive, adopting the slogan "Finally, a tough Democrat." Ooh. Sassy, <laughs> fun. It's like to me, if I'm like you know the the Democrat like in the in the the district over from her, I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I'm a tough. The fuck, she's looking around, being like, finally, Shit. a tough Democrat. It's like this- the most early or late '70s slogan I've ever heard of. It seriously is. I can see it on a button, and I just yeah. I love the like. The finally comma, it's just yes. so fucking sassy. Finally. finally. Breath. A, <laughs> a tough, tough Democrat. Democrat. <laughs> like, she's she's come home for a long day of work, and she's like, finally, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Finally, a glass of wine. Oh, uh, I mean, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. So, you know what? It's a cheesy slogan, but, like, it seemed go at it. Like, go at it. Like, I hope it worked for you, honey. Yeah, I'm like, absolutely. I'm yeah. behind you. Yep. So she ultimately defeated Della Bovey, who is the Republican, with 54% of the vote, earning a seat in the 96th Congress. So that was from 1979 to 1981. Get Again, it, honey. The, the Republican, or not the Republicans, the House of Representatives, they have new Congresses every two years or new sessions every two years. She was also reelected to two subsequent Congresses, winning in 1980 and 1982 with 58% and 78% of the vote, respectively. Oh, honey, do it right. trailblaze all over me. Uh, And her, like, her percentage wins just keep increasing and getting better. Yeah, 78% Uh, is huge, you know? So, obviously, she's doing well. Yeah. 
So a little bit about some of the committees that she was on. This is coming from Britannica. So in 1980, Ferrara was elected secretary of the Democratic Caucus, and she took a seat in the House Steering and Policy Committee. Other committees that she served on, she was, you're going to love this, uh, she was assigned to the Post Office and Civil Service Committee for the 96th and 97th Congress. Yes! She earned a spot on the Public Works and Transportation Committee. Do in it. 1981. Yes. Um, oh, she was also uh, appointed to the Select Committee on Aging in 1979, a post she held until 1985. Yeah. And then also she was on the Budget Committee from 1983 oh. to 1985. Oh, damn. All right. That's a big one. That was a yeah. big one. Yeah. So some things to keep in mind about Geraldine as far as the type of Congresswoman that she was. Uh-huh. Obviously, you know, she's a Democratic congresswoman, and there's a lot of, you know, sort of liberal things that she did, and we'll talk about that next. But um, some interesting things, because she was coming from, like, a pretty, not predominantly Republican, but she had a significant Republican presence in her district. So because of that, this is coming from House.gov, in deference to the sentiments in her district, Ferraro voted in favor of some conservative legislation, such as a proposed constitutional amendment banning mandatory busing for school desegregation, tuition tax credits for private schools, and school prayer. I forgot to mention she's Catholic. Oh, oh, yeah. But I think what is actually more notable, and I think what sort of prevails over her time in Congress and kind of just like across her career, is uh, she? you could call most of her work feminist-oriented, you could say. So, again, from House.gov, she was particularly critical of the Reagan administration's policies towards women, disdaining what she called the White House's efforts to glorify the non-working mother, stating, quote, I don't disparage being a stay-at-home mother. I did it myself. But not every woman can afford to do that. Yes, honey. Yes. She sponsored the Economic Equality Act of 1981, and that legislation reformed pension options for women, protecting the rights of widows and divorcees, and allowing homemakers to save as much as their working spouses in individual retirement accounts. Yes. Which is, like, something I didn't even, like, think, you know, it's like, I hear right, these right, things right. and I'm like, oh my god, yeah. Like, right, like, things sure. you just assume would be assumption like like not even a thought like oh my god geez yep okay right ferraro supported abortion right rights vowing interesting yeah vowing to not let her religious beliefs as a catholic interfere with her constitutional obligation to separate church and state honey yeah yes Ah, yes, it's not about what you believe. It's just, it's like, it's right there in the document, the pen to parchment, mm-hmm. separating. And she's looking at it and be like, they wrote it on the parchment, so I gotta separate it. I'm like, where's everybody it? else? She where is, is everybody else? I feel like alone in leading this charge. I do. I, sometimes I'm just looking around and I'm like, am I the only one who read the parchment? Right. Because it was in that weird, funky English, but it is English, and I feel like... Yeah, but I feel like even in ye olde English, there's only one way to say separation of church and state, you know? Like, there wasn't. There wasn't a different phrase for it. No. 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 They literally wrote it. I mean, and that's weird. Just 
to think about all the things, I'm like, I just wish you wrote it down. This one is written they down. They wrote it down. Yeah. Like multiple times. It's all several parchments. Yeah. It's like a founding pillar of this nation. Yes. And then they like they went on to expand on it in other longer forms on bigger documents. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. And multiple <laughs> times. Multiple white men wrote more about it. Right. It's like, this isn't even I. It's not me writing it. You know, I didn't put the pen to parchment. You didn't put the pen to parchment. No. Multiple, Multiple white men. White men, land-owning, slave-owning white men were like, mm-hmm. you know what? Separation of church and state. And I'm yeah. like, I don't find a lot of common ground with these guys. But like this one, I'm like, okay. I can get on okay. board with. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Good. Good. I wish you did everything else different, but at least this you got right, you know? Yes. Yes. So, anywho, at least, at the very least, Geraldine saw it. She yeah. read the parchment, you know? Yeah. I just, she's keep, ex- she's keeping up with the Constitution. She knows what's it, what. I mean, yeah, it exhausts me to think about it. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So, okay, so that's like her in Congress as a representative from Queens, New York, which we love to see. So let's Turn the turn the attention to the vice presidential run. Ah, uh, turn, turn. I'm turning. The pages turned. So again, house.gov and also this time history.com. Shout out Ooh. to history. So during the 1984 presidential campaign, political strategists and feminist groups pressured the Democratic Party to nominate a woman to the ticket. It's like deja vu, really. Uh, Yeah, really. What leads up to her becoming the nominee. The moment which hinged on the belief that seeking a woman as the vice presidential candidate would energize the party and help Democrats compete against the popular incumbent President Ronald Reagan. And that movement gained momentum in the months preceding the convention. Mm, Okay. As rumors circulated the presidential candidate, Walter Mondale, planned on selecting a female running mate. The leadership's favorite, Geraldine Ferraro, topped that list that included Representative Lindy Boggs of Louisiana, Pat Schroeder of Colorado, and Barbara Mikulski of Maryland, along with San Francisco mayor and future U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein. 
Oh. I know, right? That To me, I read that and I was like, God, Diane's been around for a long time. A long time. Hot damn. Super long time. Yeah. In, in July of 1984, Mondale selected Ferraro as his running mate, making her the first woman to run for election for a major party on a national ticket. Yes. During her acceptance speech at the Democratic National Convention in San Francisco, Ferraro said, quote, There are no doors we cannot unlock. We will place no limits on achievement. If we can do this, we can do anything. Okay. I mean, correct. Yes. I sure. mean, yes. All right. What else Let's... are you going to say? Like, yeah. It's a big moment. Yeah. Down 16 points in the poll when Mondale named Ferraro, then 48, his vice presidential pick, the excitement surrounding the nomination gave the new ticket a big bounce, bringing the polling to nearly even with the Republican challengers Ronald Reagan and his running mate, George H.W. Papa Bush. Papa Bush. Papa Bush. I forget. I know. I forget. I know. Hey. In his 2010 book, The Good Fight, Mondale wrote that he thought Ferraro would be, quote, an excellent vice president and could be a good president. I also knew that I was far behind Reagan and that if I just ran on a traditional campaign, I would never get in the game. Hmm. Sounds like he's using the woman. Well, at least he can recognize that two white men are average. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's kind so of true. to me of what it's that's like. Yeah, so because true. you realize that if you're going to pick another white man, yeah, you are, you will equal average. Yeah, yeah, that's so, so true. I mean, yeah, great, get it. He added that his wife Joan, shout out to Joan Mondale, oh goodness, urged him to select a woman as vice president, saying, "Quote." Joan thought we were far enough along in the movement for women's rights that the political system had produced plenty of qualified candidates, and she thought voters were ready for a ticket that would break the white male mold. Yes, Joan. Joan felt it. Joan saw it. She was like, honey, we're ready. We're like, ready. You wake up. up. You Open need to your push yourself. Eyes. Step outside like, your go. box. Yes. Let's go. Ferraro discussed the challenges of getting Reagan out of office when things were going well economically by saying in a letter to the New York Times in 1988, quote, throwing Ronald Reagan out of office at the height of his popularity with inflation and interest rates down, the economy moving and the country at peace would have required God on the ticket, she wrote, quote, and she was not available. Yes, she was not available. She was not available. God is a woman. God is a woman. Uh, oh my get god! With it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great. So she was not. God, I fucking love her. And she her was not sass. available. She was not uh, available. I adore. I'm obsessed. I am obsessed. I feel like this would have been like. I feel like you should play Geraldine Ferraro, in the mm. movie of her life. Okay. Note taken. <laughs> I don't know who's <laughs> casting that film. Who's but... casting? Call me. Mm-hmm. I'd love to audition. I mean, I think I'm a touch young at the moment. You are to, a touch like, young get her at, at her height, yeah, but yeah, I can yeah, grow yeah, yeah. into her for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So one issue. So this is, we will see why somebody oh, I, oh, coming yes. back into the fold. Yeah. One of the issues that voters found with Geraldine was, quote, at, at issue, Ferraro and her real estate develop, developer husband, John Zaccaro, filed separate tax returns. And Zaccaro refused to make his returns public. 
Oh. And they were like, why aren't you making this public? And the Republican, the Reagan campaign was like, your husband is hiding something. Why won't he release his tax returns? Uh, Do you see what I'm talking about? Oh my God. It's like, who, who, who could have, who else could have not released them? But it was literally like this, this thing that like the, it actually took a huge toll on the, the Mondale campaign because. Oh, sure. Like, I mean, they were using her husband to attack her, which obviously in itself is like, there's so many problems. Yeah, there's, yeah, so there's so sexism behind, behind that. But um, but the fact that it was circling around her husband not releasing his tax returns, and I believe he eventually did release them, and it turned out nothing bad happened. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. he, did, he did end up releasing them, I think, before the election happened. Um. But uh, wow, oh wow. <laughs> Just <laughs> If only the Reagan administration was here to see this. <laughs> oh my God. Little did they know. Little did they know. So as we all may or may not know, on election day, Reagan trounced Mondale with the former Vice President Mondale winning just his home state of Minnesota mm. and the District of Columbia. God, that's so, oh. it's the saddest election, I feel it's like. It's not a good one. I mean, it's and it's just, and, it's, one. and it sucks that like this was the campaign that a woman was like the first person, like vice president on the ticket, yeah. you know? And it's like, I think they're right. They were really up against it with, I mean, the Reagan administration was such a popular yeah. administration. That's- like, I do agree that they were, they were fighting a losing battle most likely, yeah. but it just like blows that like yeah. this was the one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like in some ways it's set back. You know, because the next person, woman on the ticket would have be- would be Sarah Palin. Like, do the math. Thirty years later, yeah. Like, Ugh. bummer. Yeah, that's a big bummer. I mean, and then of course, you know, the Sarah Palin thing happens, and it's like, oh my god, Sarah Palin you know? happened, and then Tina Fey happened, and then mm-hmm. Tina Fey single handedly took down that election. Yeah, single. Yeah, Tina Fey did have a sway in that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's just I'm really I really want a success to happen for sure. <laughs> yeah, because we've earned it. We've earned it. But yeah, the, this this election sure. was brutal. I mean, such Ugh, that map is the loss. saddest. The saddest map. It's quite red. It's quite yeah. red. Later, Ferraro wrote in her memoir, My Story, that while more Republican women turned out to vote than Democrats, she didn't think that affected the results. She said, "Quote." It demeans women to think that they would vote in a mindless block just because of their gender or a candidate's gender, she wrote. Yes. Which I agree with. I, I totally agree, agree with. with. Like, that I was totally like when Hillary was running, people were like, you're only voting for her because she's a woman. And I'm like, in what world do you think I haven't done the work? Right. And in what world do you think y- you would vote for Trump regardless of their genders? <laughs> right. It's it, it, it was, yeah, it was just like... I am with her on this. I'm with her yeah, on this. I'm with her. Uh, not really a fun b- fact, but something to note. Uh, her husband, John Sicaro, was later convicted in February of 1985 of conducting fraudulent real estate transactions. <laughs> so I, all I can say is like, oh thank God. God this happened post the election because Seriously. I don't think Mondale would have gotten Minnesota or D.C. No. Had oh, that my happened. God. It's like, Shit. okay, okay. Uh. So that, of course, is the election that's the groundbreaking election. 
And now we're going to talk about the post-election part of her life. This is coming from House.gov again, obviously. So after the defeat, Geraldine Ferraro returned to practicing law. She served as a fellow at the Harvard Institute of Politics from 1988 until 1992. She authored three books about her political career. The first one, Ferraro, My Story. The second one, Changing History, Women, Power, and Politics. And the third one, Framing a Life. I hate political book titles. They're so fucking boring. Not jazzy. Not jazzy. No. Ferraro re-entered electoral politics when she ran for the U.S. Senate in 1992 and 1998. After failing to secure the Democratic Party's nomination in Mm. both unsuccessful campaigns, Ferraro vowed to never run again for public office. Oh, that hurts my heart a little bit. Yeah, but she's not done. We're keeping going. Oh, okay. In 1993, President Clinton appointed her to the United Nations Human Rights Convention in Geneva, Switzerland. Great. Ferraro was also appointed vice chair of the U.S. delegation to the Fourth World Conference on Women held in Beijing in September of 1995. What a weird conference. All right. I know. <laughs> she later worked she later worked as president of a global management consulting firm and as a television analyst and syndicated columnist. I think that's where I I first saw her. Like, I think I saw her on TV. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I wasn't alive during the (laughs) election. No. (laughs) In the Mondale election? You don't remember seeing that electoral map? I don't don't recall seeing that on my television. I know. Pre-utero. Yeah. I know. I want to ask my parents, what was that election like? I know. Was everybody just like, I know. It's like, it's like your grade school assignments are always like, ask your grandparents where they were when Kennedy was shot. Or like, that was mine. You're a little bit younger than me. But like, that's, that was always the assignment. And I just, I want to, like, that would be a fun question to be like, where (laughs) Where were you you when Mondale only won (laughs) Minnesota and DC? (laughs) When he bit it hard. Oh, God. Yikes, yikes, yikes. My guys. Yep. So in 2008, she served on the Clinton Campaign Finance Committee Ooh. and some drama surrounding that. So oh. this is coming from a ABC News article written by Jennifer Parker and Olivia Stearns about what happened. So in March 12th of 2008, the Clinton campaign confirmed that Geraldine Ferraro stepped down from her role on the finance committee of Senator Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign after making racially charged remarks about Senator Barack Obama. Oh. And so the remark that she made was she declined to apologize directly for the firestorm she created when she told a local California newspaper that, quote, if Obama was a white man, he would not be in this position. So certainly a very problematic statement and oof. Yeah, there's no way around interpreting that in a different way. Right, 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 right. (laughs) And in her, she wrote the letter, her, I guess, resignation letter to the Clinton, to Hillary Clinton saying, quote, dear, dear Hillary, I am stepping down from your finance committee so I can speak for myself and you can continue to speak for yourself about what is at stake in this campaign. The Obama campaign is attacking me to hurt you. I won't let that happen. Thank you for everything you've done and continue to do to make this a better world for my children and grandchildren. You have my deep admiration and respect, Jerry. So it's like, I think the big problem with this is that like she viewed that statement as not problematic and that it was being taken by the Obama campaign and like twisted and manipulated. But it's also like, Jerry, it is, you know, like. 
Yeah. You have to take yeah. ownership for the fact that that's like a problematic statement yep. and your refusal to, to apologize and to do better is yep. just like, yeah, you got to go, yeah. you know, like, come on. Like, this is like the first black man to to be in be in the race, really, you know, like you, it's a really poor choice of words. And that's that's just like what I hate about politics, man, yeah. is that you start getting these people and you like you're learning about them and you're like, yes, 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 yes. And then you see the cracks and you're like, yeah. oh, well, nobody's God. perfect. Oh, yeah. Like advocating for school prayer. I can like work with. Uh huh. This one is hard. That's hard. That's hard. So. So that was and and unfortunately, that was kind of the last big thing that she did in the political mm. sphere was mm. this because in 1998 she was diagnosed with multiple myeloma which is a dangerous form of blood cancer and she succumbed to the disease after a 12-year battle and passed away on march 26 2011 at massachusetts general hospital in boston so the clinton campaign thing was in 08 and then she passed away in 2011 and i think yeah. obama spoke about her like very kindly, you know, um, after she passed away. I don't have yeah. his remarks written up, but I know that he did make a statement on her passing and how she was a trailblazer and, and all that. Yeah. So just a couple of fun facts to to send us home. Yes. Really. And obviously it's all coming from house.gov. Shout out to the house. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so much work they've put into her. I know. It literally bio. was like so long. Shit. And I was like, okay, House Damn. of Representatives. And it, like as it should be. Like this yes. is a this is a woman with an extreme like a huge historical significance yes. and a huge career, you know, that yeah. spanned not only the House, but then also the the um executive and then also the as an ambassador, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> the United Nations. It's like, okay. Yep. So she practiced law part-time while raising three children. Oh, my I just Lord. like to point it out to be like, you <sighs> women can just do shit that mm-hmm. men can't. Yep. In 1982, she was instrumental in achieving automatic delegate status. This actually might be problematic or not, but this is really interesting. She was instrumental in achieving automatic delegate status to the 1984 Democratic National Convention for three-fifths of the Democrats serving in the House and the Senate, an effort to give professional politicians (laughs) a chance to unify and shape the party's platform. (laughs) So this thing that we're now trying to basically undo, like superdelegates essentially, is what this is. It's like originating here That's with Geraldine. That's so funny. It's yeah, also funny like, because she she unseated or she like was the underdog candidate and beat against an the party yeah. preference in yeah. her primary for yeah. her house seat in Queens. Yeah. That's so funny. I know. I was like, okay. <laughs> I kind of dig <laughs> the ballsiness of that. Yeah. And well, and especially it's like now that it's it became such a it's so funny because it became such a dramatic part of like Hillary's campaign or Hillary's um yeah uh, campaign with uh, Bernie and you know to just see it just just trace the origins and be like oh came from Geraldine who served yeah. with Hillary's on Hillary's campaign and how it yeah. it's like it's if it's so small the world is so small oh so small I mean not her alone but yes and it, it, no 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 of course of course of course it wasn't just instrumental quote she was instrumental yeah 
And then finally, in 1984, Ferraro became the first woman to chair the Democratic Platform Committee. Oh. She's the first woman of a lot of things. That's she what, was. That's what I am like. That's what I think was the most surprising about learning about Geraldine and sort of the three line. It's just at every turn, it was like, oh, she's the first woman to do this. I know there was yeah. a, I didn't talk about this, but there are certain committees that she was the first woman to serve on that she oh, served wow. on. And it's like, you know, and we're talking about like the 1980s, right? And like, yeah. it's just, it's just that reminder of like, this shit is so new. It's so new. It's, it's so, so new, new. And like, it's, we've, there's still so much that we yep. should have. <laughs> but, um, but I would say that is, that's the through line of her is that like, you know, it wasn't just, obviously the vice presidential candidate was huge. And the biggest thing that, that, she was the first of, but it actually like preceding that and succeeding that. that. Like there was yeah. a lot more firsts. Yeah. You know? So yeah. that is, that's Geraldine. What do you think of her? That's so what interesting. What do you make of her? I think she's like, you know, she's kind of, she's got some conflicts, but I think overall, mm-hmm. you know, she's, you're just like you're never gonna find the perfect politician, and I feel she's a right. great example of that. Like she, right. there's a lot of good in her background. She is the first in a lot of things, but I, especially for women, I think the pressure is to like you have to be this. To like, be you perfect. can't make any mistakes. Yeah, and you know, it's men aren't held to that same standard. Like no. the thing that she said about Obama was fucking shit. But, yeah. like, if a man had said that, no, I mean, no. Right. Like, right. would would he have resigned from the committee? No. He would have, like, gone no. golfing and come back on the Monday. Like, taking a sabbatical. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. – and so I just feel like, you know, it's a very clear – I feel like she's a very clear example of, in in many respects, women being held to a different standard. Yeah. And I think in some in some ways she really – pushed those boundaries and and, exce- and and broke some ceilings and, and exceeded people's expectations of her as a woman. And, and then other, in other were in other moments, you know, not excusing what she said, she's seeing the other side of it too. Yeah. You know, sure. like I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's just, it's such a harsher, it's such a harsher game for women, especially when you get to the highest ticket in the land. Yeah. And that's what we've learned. And that's what yep. we will certainly see this election, unfortunately. Oh my God. Um, but I think Ugh. at least we have, like, I think everybody is now prepared for it. Like, weirdly, I felt like, I think, I think it, with the Clinton Trump race, we were, we certainly expected it, but I still think that there was something so surprising about it. Yeah. About the, because it was so the difference overt. in the way they were treated it was yeah like and like so I, at least now we're like we know how yeah. bad it can get yeah like we know how awful it can get and so nothing is surprising anymore yeah um so i feel like at the very least kamala has that in her corner so we'll see but yeah. i you know i i respect geraldine and i'm glad that we're talking about her and getting yeah. getting her bio out there yeah and you know, you guys, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. Like we said at the top, you can rate us, you can review us, and you can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Goodbye.